What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to the Asian MMA Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Bluin. And I know I've been on hiatus for a while, but I am back. The show is back in full swing, so expect at least weekly content, if not more. I've also got a new partnership with the MMA Power Hour. I will be providing content to those guys. Links will be in the show notes. You can check them out. Of course, today I've got to talk about one championship, a new era, their first ever event in Japan. Hopefully Yakuza free. I don't know. We'll see. But amazing event absolutely phenomenal event i want to get into some of the details of the card talk about some of the things i really enjoyed and a few of the kind of blemishes or the one really big blemish that that stood out to me on the card uh let's dive right into it now on the undercard we had gary tunin versus uh anthony angleton and angleton and I, I gotta say i was really pulling for anthony in this fight uh just because he's such a scrappy guy and he's the type of fighter that makes the most of opportunities. So he's given an opportunity. He has generally capitalized on it. He's a gritty fighter. He's got great skills. You know, he's got his own gym, but he's training out of Bali MMA. That's where he does his camps. You know, the, the guy is an absolute beast. And I was excited to see this fight. And my hat off to Gary Tunin because he made it look easy. He is an absolute monster, and you know his his ability to control and sort of stay on top of guys and, and beat them up on the ground, it, and his accuracy. I mean, I I, I remember I, I was talking to someone before Gary's first fight, and I, I was a little disappointed. I was like, you know, he's probably going to come in and be one of these kind of takedown guys that just sort of grinds people out, sort of like a, a more jujitsu esque version of Ben Askren. Maybe occasionally he'll get the finish and. I could not have been more wrong. Gary absolutely has amazing stand-up, for one. Uh, demonstrated by his, his first win in one championship was a KO, I believe. And, you know, he, he's just absolutely on fire. I remember watching his, his fight in Bangkok uh, live. And, you know, there, I was there um, in press row. And what an amazing fight, you know, to, to actually cover and watch. Great debut, but... You know, it, this is a big step up for him to to Anthony, and it was a big step up for Anthony as well in competition. And I said Gary just made it look easy. I mean, controlling. I don't even think Anthony landed a punch, which is surprising because he has fantastic stand up. Gary's movement on his feet, his ability to to close distance and cut angles is phenomenal. And then when he gets you on the ground, he was just smothering you. I I mean. If if you're not if you're not watching Gary Tunin and, and taking notice of the things he's doing, you're missing out. Now I want to jump right up to the the main card, and it was the debut of Eddie Alvarez on the main card against Timothy Natsu, uh, Natsukun. and you know I kind of I had picked um, Eddie to win this, and could not have been more wrong because Timothy came in and absolutely dominated this fight. From start to finish, you know, start to finish, Timothy dominated the fight and and put a clinic on. Eddie just seemed out of his element, which I was really surprised by. And Timothy was able to get that first round TKO finish in devastating fashion. Just, you know, and I, I think it shows one of the things that a lot of people have slept on is the level of competition in one. 
is not as shabby as a lot of people assumed. You know, this is a former UFC champion, you know, champion in multiple organizations, and he was just dominated by by a one championship mid cotter essentially. So, you know, hats off to Timothy. He's moving on the lightweight tournament. I'll be excited to see how, how that turns out. You know, next up we had Demetrius Johnson making his debut against uh, Yuya Watsumatsu, Wakamatsu. And, you know, I expected Demetrius to run right through Yuya in this fight. And Demetrius, you know, really had, had some early challenges. I, I thought Demetrius really struggled early on to get good range, to really close distance. And Yuya was winning some of the exchanges. I mean, Mighty Mouse had a mouse under his eye. He, he looked a little bit beat up, a little worse for wear, but he did get that second-round finish, and, and quite nice. But I think the real story to come out of that as well, again, to kind of you know, really validate the level of competition, at least at some level in one championship, is, is that Demetrius had a challenge with this guy who I didn't even – I remember doing my, my episode on – uh, this signing and thinking that Yuya was really underskilled and not the right uh, contender to be coming in against Demetrius for his first fight. I thought Demetrius really should have stepped up to a higher level. And Yuya proved me wrong as well, that he just came out and absolutely, you know, really made, he looked great. He lost, but he looked fantastic. And you can't ask for more from a fighter to actually, you know, step up to the challenge and put on, his best effort against a former champion, probably one of the best pound for pound ever fighters in the world. So hats off to you, you, but Demetrius got the win, uh, second round choke. So fantastic finish. Now the next fight on the card is really the, the lone black spot, the big blemish on this card. And that is a uh, Bibiano Fernandez versus Kevin Bellington. Now I had uh Bibiano winning this fight on my scorecard going into into the second round where the DQ happened. Uh, what happened was Bibiano took Kevin down, and in that transition, Kevin started to hit him on the side of the head with very legal elbows. Now, in that takedown process, though, several of those elbows landed very hard uh, directly on the back of the head of Bibiano. Now, uh, the ref, Oliver Koss, made a great call, stopped it, gave Bibiano the chance to recover. He saw what happened. And he moves uh, Kevin Bellington over to a neutral corner. Bibiano's against the cage. And if you've ever been hit in the back of the head, it, it really does rock you. And it's not always an easy thing to, to recover from. It, it really can shake your equilibri equilibrium and, and make you feel off balance. So it, it, things start to get a little strange when people start to enter the cage that were not the medical staff. And we had... Uh, a, a one employee named Rick Audie enter and all, he starts talking to Oliver and they're having conversations and then Oliver goes over issues a yellow card to uh, Kevin. I think that's a bit premature personally, but I can understand. I can, I can see where it's coming from. You know, okay. I thought it was a bit early. I didn't think they were intentional. I didn't think there was a need for a yellow card. But that should be the ref's call. It seemed like maybe it was more of a of Rick's call at that point. And then a few minutes later, after you know some people are talking to uh, Bibiano, Oliver goes over. Oliver, the referee, goes over to K 
Kevin Bellington, you hear him on the audio during the fight say, I'm sorry about this to uh, Kevin. And he said something else that wasn't really audible. And he pulls out the red card, DQs him. End of fight, and they issue the they give the belt to Bibiano, which he looked visibly upset about actually being given the belt on a DQ. Understandably. Now, where it really gets kind of weird for me is that this is one of the things, and I'll talk about this in a future episode. There are no commissions in Asia. And as much as I dislike a lot of things the commissions do in the U.S., they do do a lot of really good things like enforce consistent rules and, you know, add tra- a level of transparency. When you have someone like Rick who can just come in, and I've got a great story I'll tell in the future, a future episode where uh, Rick already actually reached out to me and tried to uh, strong arm me into not going to an event in China on behalf of one. And uh, it's a story for another day, but, you know, when you have people like this who just come in and inject their opinions into the fights and there's no transparency on it, you know, and we've seen the same thing with one overturning fights or sort of proactively making things like suplexes illegal, you know, there's a lot of questions that get raised. And when you have the outcome like this with a fight that was turning out to be a fantastic championship fight, you know, it's a blemish on what was otherwise an outstanding card, a card that I probably would rank as the probably the best post-Pride era Asian MMA event, you know, period. So, you know, that's one of my big issues with this. Now, in, in one's defense, though, and I'm sure they would say this, it's not like they're choosing not to work with commissions. There are no commissions for them to work with. But I remember when I was at the Bangkok uh, event where Sisiket was the uh, main event, who's a, a boxing champion, to have that boxing match as the main event, they actually had to bring in boxing commissioners and judges and timekeepers, and none of their staff was allowed to actually work that event or that fight for the event. So, you know, there are times when they they have worked under a commission for certain circumstances or some type of commission. Neither here nor there, something for another episode. I'll get more in depth on that. But unfortunately, it was a DQ loss, which gave Bibiano the win. Moving on, we had uh, Angla versus Ken Hasegawa. Now, that's a rematch, and if you guys have ever seen the first fight, fantastic knockout uh, by Ang La. And whenever I see Ang La fight, I, I always have this vision of uh, Chatri giving this talk. I saw it at their one Nielsen conference in Singapore where he just starts chanting, Ang La, Ang La, you know, because that's what the crowds do when he fights in Myanmar. And, you know, great fight, second-round TKO, and Ang La just looked crisp and sharp. Now, of course, after that, they had this very constructed, um, scripted uh, call-out, essentially, where Brandon Vera, the heavyweight champion, won championship, comes out and challenges Ang La, who is both the middleweight and light heavyweight champ, to a fight in October in Japan. He accepts. He asks Chatri what he thinks. Chatri comes out and says, let's get it on. You know, it, it's this kind of big... Uh, constructed, orchestrated thing, but in a very fun sort of campy one championship way. And it's also an amazing fight. Both these guys are, are crisp. They're both sharp. 
I look forward to seeing that very much. Uh, assuming it happens, if they're both healthy, you know, if there's no injuries, these are both big guys. So, you know, an injury could very easily happen in training. I, you know, I think stand-up, they're probably, maybe Angla has that edge in stand-up. Brandon Vera is a bit bigger, but we've seen Angla fight heavyweight monsters before. And, you know, the other thing is that I think Brandon probably has a pretty good, uh, a pretty good advantage on the ground against Angla, but I don't know. So that's one of the unknowns. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, co-main event, probably my contender for fight of the night, uh, Jin Yang Ziang versus uh, Angelina, Angela Lee, and hell of a fight. Now, I wasn't a huge Angela Lee fan going into this fight, and I'm definitely a massive fan of hers coming out. But even more a fan of Xiang, who's just showed her grit and determination. You know, going into the fourth round, this fight could have been really anyone's. I probably would have given it to Angela at that point. Uh, just because I thought she had the advantage, she was being more aggressive, seemed to be landing better. In the fourth round, she catches Xiang in an armbar that I would have tapped to in a minute. And Xiang's arm was bent in ways it shouldn't be. We saw her face grimacing, but she's still giving a thumbs up to the ref. She fights through it, closes out the round, and moves on to the fifth where she comes out. And a visibly gassed Angela Lee starts taking damage from body shots and just folds. And Xiang gets the TKO stoppage on body damage in an absolutely amazing finish. Stops Angela Lee decisively, retains her, her title, and sends Angela Lee back down to Adam Waite. Now, great fight. I mean, both these women put on amazing shows. Both showed incredible heart, technique, skill, the striking. You know, everything about it was, was just Amazing. That's what you want to see in a fight every time it is both fighters just bring it. In the main event, uh, moving on to that, in the last fight of the night, one I was really looking forward to, Edward Foliang, who's been a great champion for one championship. He's been a great media story for them, you know, coming up through poverty in the Philippines versus Shinya Yoki, sort of a resurgence in his career. Shinya is a legend, an absolute legend in the sport. And Everyone knows who he is. Everyone wants to, you know, see him fight. And he has just been insane and unstoppable in recent years. And not just on a skill-wise. He's always had a high skill level. It's just now he's very much, you know, this aggressive monster. Like, you know he's going to come in. He's going to take you down. And he's going to try to hurt you. He's going to try to submit you. And he's going to do it right away. I saw... Before this, the most recent fight I saw of him was him versus Ev Ting in Bangkok. And he just came out, grabbed a hold of Ev, took him to the ground, and just put a clinic on him. And you know, we saw him do the same thing to Edward Foliang, who's a, a veteran, a, a very crafty champion. And Shinyaoki's absolute overwhelming aggression was unmatched. Edward couldn't do anything about it. He was overwhelmed. And, and he gets the choke, or technical, he actually put Edward to sleep in the first round, like two and a half minutes in. Great fight. Shinya's the new lightweight champ. I mean, it, it, it's a win-win-win. And you know, I, I'm excited just to see Shinya sit atop the uh, mountain and defend that belt a few times. I'm, I'm excited for it. 
overall a great card by by one championship. I mean, a new era literally felt like a new era in Asian MMA. You know, the best card I, I've seen in a long time. And I know one's doing some type of uh, fighter retreat this week in Phuket. I actually saw, um, I think Mei Yamaguchi was posting on her Instagram stories from there. Uh, a few other people and, you know, w- well-deserved. I mean, this is quite literally the, it, it feels like the beginning of a return to greatness for Asian MMA. And I would definitely now probably rank one championship as like the number two organization globally ahead of Bellator, you know, based on everything they've done the past year and the absolute success of this episode, of this fight card in Japan. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. That's all I have for you guys today. I'll be back next week with more Asian MMA news. You can check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you get podcasts. All the links will be in the show notes. Until next time, check it out.